Into Because We Make, the podcast about making, creativity, and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari. Joining me as always, my good friend and co-host, Ethan Carter. What is up, Vincent? <sighs> Happy Monday, my friend. Happy Monday. I know I feel, I, this I, th- this past week I went so fast, and but you know what? That The only good part about that is it means that we get to Monday night sooner, right? I was sitting there last night. I was sitting there last night. I was watching watching the YouTubes. And then I got bored with YouTube. And of course, I switched over to watching Shark Tank because I'm obsessed <laughs> with Shark Tank. And I'm watching TV and I'm like, oh, it's nice. Tomorrow I'll get up early. I'll go down to the shop. I'm like, no, no, wait a minute. Tomorrow's Monday. Mm-hmm. What, what, you know? And that, not that that changes anything because I still get up early and go down to the shop before I go to the day job. But man, this, yeah. this week just flew by. And I swear, I feel like my dad sometimes when I talk about stuff like that, like it's like, oh, Oh, this week went by real fast. <laughs> right. Blink and you missed it. <laughs> Another week in the books. Right. <laughs> oh man. It's it's it was such a good week for us though. And I want I figured we could kick it off by talking about the um the big thing that happened this week. So last week I wasn't prepared for this. I'm not gonna even lie, but last week we mentioned that um we were gonna put out um we're gonna set up buy me a coffee yep. and put our page out there and just, you know see what you guys thought and basically, you know, go with, we're going to figure it out as we go. Right. We figured maybe one or two people, if we're lucky. I mean, like I said, the last time we put a notification out and we said, Hey, there's a link in the show notes. If you want to support the podcast, we didn't get anything. And I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, I'm not, I'm, we don't want to put any pressure on people to support. We really don't. And, but I just got to say, y'all brought it. (laughs) (laughs) Really, I mean, you know, Ethan and I have talked about this about a million times over, and every time that we do something where we we ask for feedback or when we have a challenge and you guys participate or we ask for reviews and you guys just run over to iTunes or, or Stitcher and you leave reviews or you share the show or we find out like we did with our guests, which we're going to get to momentarily. We're not going to be super rude this week. <laughs> But we find out that you guys recommended the show and then they started listening. And it's, guys, this is why when we say that you guys are the best community, we really, really, really mean it. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it's, it, it never, it never gets, gets old. <laughs> I was just going to say that it never gets old. And it, it, I I hope it sounds genuine because that 100% is, it, it's it's humbling. It, it really is. I mean, for us to, I feel like we just show up and talk you know, for an hour and a half or, mm-hmm. or talk with our guests for an hour and a half. And it, it just, it's mind blowing to me that people actually listen and then also care enough to support that, to, to make sure that keeps going. Right. Like to me, that's beyond amazing. And I never would have expected that. Based I, never, on- I never thought I could be on a podcast and talk every week. So this, so <laughs> it's, it's pretty uh, touching. Uh, so after, we're going to, re- I want to read off the name. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. At least for now, while we only have a few people, but it's way, I'm, I'm, I'm only saying a few. So here's the, here's the good part of it only being a few people. What we're going to do is we are going to read off the names of these people. You know how people do their big, you know, Hey, we just want to thank our patrons. Well, we don't, I don't believe in Patreon. So <laughs> that means we don't use Patreon, but, um, we do use since we do use buy me a coffee and since they do keep track of who's supporting us we are just going to read out all the names every week while we have enough space and while it's not ridiculous to do so um that's going to change obviously but for now 
you know, in the initial days, just to express our gratitude to people that jumped on early. Um, I feel like it's appropriate. So Dave Anderson from Atomic Airship uh, Workshop, um, Emily Joyce, um, EDS Clocks and More. And I'm sorry, I know I'm only going by your name because I only know you as that. Um, Rory from RLL Woodworks, Chris Powell from Full Steam Designs, and Jeff, a weird guy. All of them kicked in and came to the rescue and support us. So I'm just going to put in perspective what it costs us to do this every year. So I'm not trying to influence you, but just so you know that this is going, this is all going back into the podcast. This is not like profit, right? It's, it's just not. Okay. Where does it go? Well, Zencaster costs us money because we do a long enough show where we can't do the post-production for free with Zencaster. Fine. Whatever. It's, it's a cost of doing business. Um, when we do the streams, we use StreamYard to do it because then we can do the camera switching and the cool stuff. That costs a little bit of money. All of this stuff costs a few bucks a month, and everything that you donate is going right back into the show, which really means I lay it out every month, um, and it goes it's going back into the bank account. But trust me when I tell you, every bit of this is super appreciated. And the fact that you're trying to make it easier for us to do this. It really means a lot. It, it means so, so much. And I just wanted to thank you guys. Um, really, it's, it's you guys are the reason we do this. If nobody did the challenges and nobody wrote the reviews and nobody supported us, there would be no real reason to do this. I could talk to Ethan without doing it as a podcast. <laughs> right. I wouldn't have met Ethan without the podcast. Exactly. Which, that would have sent my life down a very different path, but it is really appreciated every bit of it. And I've tried to make an effort and I hope I've done a good job of expressing my gratitude to all of you individually who have supported the show. And I, I really mean it. It's, it's touching. It is absolutely touching, very appreciated. Yeah. And, and, and what, what I, I still think we'll, we'll figure out some kind of reward. Oh yeah. So I mean, oh, we're, yeah. You're all at least getting stickers and you're going to get mentioned on the show for the foreseeable future. So there's at least that coming. <laughs> exactly. So, and some, and looking down this list, I know at least one of these people has already told us they would, wouldn't mind being a guest on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I won't name, I won't tell you which one. One of these people actually already told me that they would want to be a, they'd be interested in being a guest on the show. So speaking of guests. Yeah. Now that we've, uh, now that we've blabbed for quite a <laughs> while, I tend to do that. I'm sorry, but we have. So a couple of weeks ago, we were, you know, just Ethan and I doing our Ethan and Vincent thing, and we're talking, and we got to talk about leather workers. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, it's you know, it's kind of like you know this one. You know, we mentioned always whenever we do we talk about woodwork. I, I actually got a little bit of um, ribbing from the wife for mentioning Chris Salamoni so often. <laughs> You always say Chris Salamone, and then afterwards you go, when you talk about it, you talk about Chris from Cowdog and John Perilla, but you always mention you always mention <laughs> Chris Salamone first. Why is that? I'm like, I don't know. It's just the first pops, name that pops in your head. Out. Yeah. But when it comes to leather work, I mean, there's only one name. There's only one name that comes to mind, and that's Hemlock and Hyde, and that's yes. Leanne and Nick, and that's who our guests are this week. Well, and I know. Guys. I know they get a, they get a, they get surprised when I say that because they showed their reaction like when um that Instagram notification made me so happy because yeah. I was yeah. walking around my I was walking around the warehouse at work 
And I got a notification that Hemlock and Hyde tagged you in their mentioned you in their stories. And I'm like, that's weird. And I watched and it's like, it, Leanne's face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leanne's face. The, huh? <laughs> like, what are you even talking about? But we have Leanne and Nick from Hemlock and Hyde. Hi, guys. Oh, welcome, Hi. guys. How are you doing? How's it going? I I am so excited to finally be. I, I say finally talking to you. Like, we don't talk enough on Instagram, right? But it's just, <laughs> it's so cool to finally have you on the show and to get to pick your brain a little bit about what you do and the amazing, amazing things that you guys make. Well, and, and, and I said it in my stories before this, I teased it. I didn't say, didn't, I, I never tell who's coming on. Um, <laughs> people usually know anyways, but it's, it's nice to have what I would say as real leather workers on the podcast because I don't consider myself one and you guys are the real deal. And, and so I, I think, am I mis- like, they're probably the first true leather workers we've had on the podcast. Right, Vincent? I, I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I don't want to offend there. anyone. I feel bad because, like, on uh, one hand, I don't want to offend anyone. No, but I'm trying to think, and and I might just be forgetting. So that's not that's not a dig if someone is a leather. You know, I just I just can't remember. But yeah, I mean, but not only that, I'm I love your designs, and I love I love the two of you. So I'm I'm I, I too am excited to hear a little bit more about your background and and how you guys got there. And yeah, so I'm I'm super excited. <laughs> well, we're excited yeah. to be here. Thank you so much yeah, for, having for having us having on. Us. Seriously, I listen to you guys every week, so it's very weird to now be interacting. <laughs> <laughs> but we're super excited to be here. So, well, it was like as we, like we were saying before the show, we asked, I asked if um, they were actually going to listen to this week's episode because like oh, <laughs> this is one week you could skip the podcast and you won't miss anything. <laughs> well, hopefully, it's not like uh, seeing how the sausage is made and then you're just dis- you know disgusted after. That. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, be- I can't believe I listened to that garbage before I was on it. Like, what the hell is wrong with me? Why don't you tell us a little bit? What, what I first of all, what I find interesting, by the way, is that it's um, you guys are a husband and wife business, which is kind of cool. Which is, you know, usually husband and wives are like when we've had husband and wife duos on the show. It's usually just they're just content creators, which that's not a knock on husband and wife content creators, but it it is a different dynamic when it's an actual like a business business. So why don't you tell us a little bit of your story and how you came to be and how you got your business started and what roles each of you do in the business so we can kind of get a feel for where you're at. Okay. You want me to take it? Okay. Yeah, you can do this. <laughs> He's giving me the cue that it's, it's my it's, turn. It's Thunderdome time. You have to fight to the death. So it's a little bit of a long story, but Um, so basically we met going to art school. Um, we both went to the university of the arts for illustration. Um, so we've both been creative people our entire lives. And I think for us, it's always been that we've wanted to make a living doing something that we love. So I think in, in that respect, that's always kind of been our focus, no matter what we were doing. Um, but so I guess long story, you know, skip, skip ahead a bit. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, all of our friends know that we're very creative people and that we're always making things. I had been making, um, bags for a little while. It was just like a fun project just to make a bag for myself, a bag for my mom and one for a friend. Um, they had leather bottoms and then the rest were, was made out of vintage fabric that I had found. 
Um, and so a friend of ours, he was working at a shoe store and he was there the day that um, the dis- window display team was going to take the window display down and they had put in all these awesome old um, vintage leather hides in the window. And so when they were taking them down, he asked them, what do you guys do with all that when you take it down? And they're like, oh, we're just going to throw it out out back in the dumpster. And he's like, oh, what? <laughs> well, can I have that? Because <laughs> I know uh, some people that can maybe do something cool with that. And they were like, yeah, sure. So he basically drove up to our small apartment <laughs> with a car full of vintage full of hides. <laughs> hides. Yeah. Wow. Like we priced it out and we we estimated it was like $3,000 yeah, probably it was, it was worth of hides. Quite a bit of money. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um wow. so we were just in we were just like in shock and we're like, "Okay, thank you so much." And um and, and before that, we had never yeah. really even considered, I feel like working in leather as like an option. Yeah. I mean, I had even on our radar. No, I had made those bags just as like a fun thing. It wasn't anything I was thinking about like permanently <laughs> making into a business or anything like that. So to have all these hides, you know, they honestly sat in our studio for a good bit of time before mm-hmm. we did anything with them. Um, and then there was this, we had then moved into a new house. It was our first home. And, um, it was this one every Christmas break, I would always take off a week to do something on the house, like paint a room or whatever it might be. And I was I was actually working on building um, like a fireplace surround, like a faux fireplace surround. And I was that was my plan to work on that that week. But then a piece was back ordered. And so I ended up with all this time on my hands and nothing to do. And I'm just not the type of person that can sit there and do nothing. <laughs> That's <laughs> a pretty common trend for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> and so I was like, well, now what am I going to do? And I had had this idea of these leather bowls, um, like a catch-all bowl, basically, with vintage leather or vintage fabric on the inside. Um just idea kicking around in my head for a while. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll try and make those. So I made I made a couple of those and Nick saw them and he was like, well, I want to try making some wallets. And I was like, okay. I had never <laughs> seen him so in my entire life. I mean, he's a very creative person. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but what's a sewing machine? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and he made some wallets and they weren't that bad. (laughs) And then he basically looked at me and was like, I feel like we can make a business out of this. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) And I trust Nick in the business sense because he's always been incredibly business minded. Um, And so when he said to me, I really think we can make a business out of this. I was like, when I said okay, I actually meant it. <laughs> and it's a lot of trust there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so we kind of got started. It was a slow start. Um, we basically took a year just to work on our craft and figure out what the heck we were doing. Um, and then August 2017 is when we launched our website. Um, and then soon after that, we started doing like uh, makers markets or craft shows, whatever you want to call them. Um, and we had some really great luck there. And it kind of we used the money that we made from our first show to buy our burnisher, I think yep. it was. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it just kind of slowly snowballed from there. Um, at the time, Nick uh, was working full-time job. I was working full-time job. Um, I was actually working um, at, see, at the time, I guess I was an, I was an art director then. 
Um, I worked in textiles for about nine years. Um, and I simultaneously, we did both of those things. So Hemlock at Hyde and our full-time jobs for how long do you think it was? Like a couple a couple of years. A couple of years, yeah. And then um, when I gave birth to our son, <laughs> we were kind of – and then we looked at how much um, uh, child care was. <laughs> we kind of made the decision for me to quit my job and focus on putting all of my energy towards taking care of our son and trying to figure out this business and make it work. So that's that's pretty much what happened. What I find amazing, what I find amazing, and I'm not, I'm not a leather worker. You know, I'm, I'm probably the only one in this room that doesn't really do anything with leather. And you have, what I, I'm just kidding. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> and I'm just, but yes, I understand what you're saying. But, but I love, <laughs> I love watching, I love watching your stuff come together because there is, I know when the first time we chatted about you, I mentioned, I think of names when I don't, I'm not really big in the leather space, but there are some names mm-hmm. that I recognize that I know, like Hans Atelier and um, right. um, Victor King. And was mm-hmm. it, um, is it Victor King? Is that the, um, Little King Goods. Little King Goods. Yeah. That's Little King Goods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I see your stuff and I'm like, I don't know, maybe it's just your stuff speaks to me in a different way. Like I can see there's a certain quality to your stuff. There's a certain design aesthetic to your stuff that I just want to watch everything that you make. Like I'm, I've been enjoying so much the, the new color launch. And mm-hmm. like, even today when you yeah. post, you posted a picture of the olive stuff that you'd been working on. And I just yeah. love that color so much. And I love that color yeah. so much. <laughs> oh, you, know, you know, I think it, Vincent, oh, sorry. Mm. Go, on. go No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I mean, I, cause I, I totally agree. And I think what it is, about you guys is that there there is a there's a design aspect of it that a lot of leather workers don't have and i i uh i it, it's a design aesthetic um i think and it, it's it's funny because i um and i not i'm not trying not trying to make it about me but i only say this because it uh, reinforces my point is i recently uh did a video on like a card wallet that I tried to make like a 3D box using stitches, stitching. Oh yeah, and yeah. and I got a couple comments of this is like this every every card wallet I see right now is a variation of another That's card wallet. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and this is unique. And and so what I mean by that is there's a design aspect to your leatherwork. You're not just doing mm-hmm. really really nice leatherwork, which it is, but there's a certain there's a different design aesthetic that you're bringing to the game that's that elevates it to a different level than just doing this, doing the same thing slightly different in a really nice way. It's, it's yep. that that's exactly it. I'll give you, I'll give you a good example. I'll give you a very good example. Um, it, it's the, is it the Bowery bag? I'm looking at, I'm looking at your stuff real quick. Yeah. So the Bowery bag, I'm getting perfect example. Um, go to their feed. Everyone that's listening now, go to their feed at Hemlock and Hyde on Instagram. There's one, there's a, a couple of rows down at the, toward the top of the feed, there's a the bag called the Bowery, and it's beautiful. It is, it is one of my favorite things that you've you've made. And one of the things I love about it, and this is what what Ethan, I think what Ethan pointed out, and this is what I love about your stuff so much. There's the way the handle comes through the side mm-hmm. of the bag. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just, 
I was like, yes. Like you almost, <laughs> it's weird when you see something and you're like, oh, that is the detail. Like you could just, just as easily had either put the handles on the outside or put it on the inside and hide them. But the way you, they're woven through the side of that, those little details. And I think that's the, that's the kind of stuff that it, like Ethan said, there's, it's more than just a quality leather. Cause anyone can make a quality leather product, right? Quality leather products, frankly, are a dime a dozen. Mm -hmm. We know a lot of talented people that make a lot of really nice stuff. But when you can take something that's quality and make it pretty, and not just pretty, but pretty and different, those little details just set you guys above in a way that it just makes you stuff stand out, even to someone that doesn't do it. But, you know. And here's the thing. Those types of details are the details. Those are the the details that you don't notice but you notice it, mm-hmm. it, there's a certain type of detail where it's subtle but it's 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 what makes people say like remember it but not know why they remember it if that right, makes yeah. no and, and and the other one that just another point i'd like to make is that the other thing and we've talked about this before about other things uh vincent but the other thing i really like about your designs is I say this a lot, but there's a through line. So even though even your pieces that are very, very different, if you look at your page, you, you know, your, your all of your products, some of, they're all very different. Right. But there's a through line th- through all of them that makes you know that it's one of yours. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's a really important thing for branding and yeah. and style. And so I it's it, that was one of the first things I rec- recognized when I, you know, when I found you guys and started following you guys is that that through line is so perfectly balanced and crisp and it's it's and part of it is those little details that's part of the through line yeah so anyway yeah it's almost like a language like a language that you are applying to what you're making and mm-hmm. i think that it's something that we definitely learned in art school oh, um, for sure, yeah. going to, for illustration. It was all about, well, what's your style? What's your style? Like you have to yeah. stand out. It's so important. Otherwise no one's going to want to hire you and um, that sort of thing. And then um, also how do you stand I, out without being over the top. I think that's the, yeah, that's the, I think the hardest thing to do is to do something simply, right? Yeah. It's like science yeah. and you find an equation that's, they try to boil everything down to the most simple form. And, you know, a lot of people make the mistake where they don't edit far enough and it's just, it, it feels jumbled, but we, we try to get it down to its most simple form and. And then plug in the, really that language. Yeah. 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 And also I think it was definitely from art school and realizing like, okay, it's super important for you to have a language, have a style that stands out, but isn't distasteful in any mm-hmm. way. And mm-hmm. then also I think it just really comes from, um, my work in textiles. Um, I started out there like I, as an apprentice, I moved up to a designer. I was a designer for many years and then eventually was the art director there. And I, the whole thing of what I did was looking at fashion, just all the time consuming fashion and seeing what's coming down the runway and seeing how it's going to apply to pattern design. Um, and so I think in that place, it kind of developed my my per, like personal sense of taste and and sense of style as far as like fashion goes because i mean what we are doing making bags it is fashion in a way um and so i think i'm just applying that to what we do yeah 
to a different medium. Yeah, to a different to. medium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And totally. I think we've always been the kind of people that like to refine things mm-hmm. and like keep progressing and learning. And I think that's kind of the evolution of all the bags we've kind of created. It's just the next evolution and next step of our design language. Yeah. And you, you've done some really cool stuff. Like you, you've embraced you've embraced brass, which is really cool. Yes. I love brass. <laughs> I do too. Right. right. And, and the brass ring like yeah. is a thing yeah. for you. Like you have the, mm-hmm. you have it on your bags. You have bra- brass ring accessories that you sell in your right. shop. Like right. It's, it's so cool that you've tied, you've managed to tie in, you know, you've got the leather thing and then you have these really cool accents that kind of tie everything together, that bring it all together. Kind of, it's like you guys almost went into this going, we're not just going to make a product. We're going to make a product line. And it's just, it's so cool to see someone thinking that way because that's what I do. That's my day job. You know, and it's like, it's, you can kind of, it it was weird because I never thought of it that way until I started doing it. One of the thing, the thing I do for my day job is I design product packaging for a company that makes Bluetooth speakers and headphones, right? And you start thinking like, okay, like what can you really do with this? And (laughs) each iteration through, we've managed to update the packaging just a hair, Mm -hmm. but still manage to like, if you, one of the things so in my business, basically everybody that isn't a major player like Sony or JVC or those bigger companies Anybody that's not those companies basically gets all their stuff from the same manufacturers. Right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the dirty little secret is you go to these, there's these places in Shenzhen that you can go and, you know, you could go to this guy and you can get your stuff made at the same factory that makes, you know, Sony speakers or JBL speakers. And it, it, it's all the same for the most part, it's the same. But what's cool about it is that when, when they bring these to the United States, if you don't make your own boxes, the boxes are awful. So you can actually set yourself as a premium company just by putting those same speakers that even your competition is selling into a into packaging that is like that feels premium. Yeah, and 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 that's how you know when when everyone can make the same device, your only differentiation is how you present it to customers. Right, you're kind of doing something similar. You have something that you know leather is essentially a commodity. But you guys present it in such a nice, cohesive way that when I look, if I scroll through your product line, I can be like, oh, yeah, this is theirs. This is theirs. I don't even need to see your name on the packaging to know that it's yours. That's basically what we strive to do, I think, too. And I think that's just kind of how our brains work. Like we just we mm-hmm. think about things in the full, like the full life cycle of the product and like how someone interacts with it and what's the experience going to be experience. Yes, exactly. exactly. So th- that's just kind of how we think. So um, that's, yeah. that's really nice to hear from you guys. And Absolutely. it's just, it's, it's really humbling to hear that. Yeah. And, and I, I personally, I don't think there's anything better than like brown leather and brass. I love that look. Yes. I mean, Especially <laughs> Sienna. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love it. So the, the dyes that you use, the dyes that you use, because the colors aren't just black and brown. I mean, I know that's that's the dumbest thing I've ever said. Okay, let me clarify. <laughs> leather, most leather, most leather that people work with are generally boring brownish colors and boring and black, right? And that's cool. I mean, I'm not, I'm you know, leather has brown and black has its place, but you you've kind of done a little more than that. So you have this incredible olive green that I just absolutely love. Yeah. I think it's one of my favorite leather colors that I've ever seen. You also have this new sienna color that is just 
absolutely gorgeous. Like it's got these nice red tones yes. to it. Yeah. That, it's like really almost gorgeous. a burgundy, but not a burgundy. Yeah. yeah. And what I love about it is like the shadows in the, it, this is the most incredible color in the world, guys, because what, what what's cool about it is in the light, it's more of a brownish color. Mm-hmm. And then in the shadows, the red and the maroon and the burgundy. Exactly and the, it, yeah. It's so freaking, it's like, it's got multi-dimension. The way you design your bags anyway, they kind of have this like shape to them. So you get, it's like you're using five different leathers, but it's really all just the same stuff, just the way the light <laughs> patches all of it. It's, it's so amazing to see. And where do you, do you have a supplier for your dyes? Do you custom make your dyes? Like what's the story with all the colors? Because they are much bolder than I'm used to seeing others do. That's interesting to hear because we, we get our leather from a place in Pennsylvania uh, from a company called Wicket and Craig. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing this for, you know, 100 plus years. And they've just been doing uh, vegetable tanned leather. And Wait, what was the name of it again? Sorry. Wicket <laughs> and Craig. It's okay. kind of an unusual name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, they're in like central Pennsylvania and they've been doing this a long time. Um, so we, we really leaned into doing vegetable tanned because it, it kind of, you know, it just felt like the right thing to do for us. And mm-hmm. we appreciate that we, they don't use like chrome, chromium and chrome tan stuff, um, which ends up going back into the environment in a negative way. But <clears throat> anyway, um, they, you know, we, we tried a bunch of different suppliers and we just were really happy with them. And they also happen to just be in Pennsylvania, which was really, yeah, was it's really actually, awesome. yeah. So basically <laughs> it's also how we came up with our name. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's that's like true. our name. Oh, I, I had, believe me, I was going to ask you about that too. Okay. <laughs> so, well, it really does lead into it. So, so basically, as I said before, you know, we got these, all these vintage hides, right. And we kind of used the hides that were gifted to us to that first year to learn our craft, figure out what our designs mm-hmm. were going to be, that sort of thing. And eventually it started to dwindle down and we're like, uh-oh. <laughs> what are if, we going to do? <laughs> yeah, if we want to keep doing this, like we're going to have to actually buy new leather. <laughs> and so that's when Nick really kind of... Well, we, we actually looked into sourcing vintage leather, which yeah, we proved to just be very, very difficult. So yeah. I can't even um, imagine, yeah. Yeah, and that's when Nick came in with his researching powers. Yeah, I have a research <laughs> problem. I'll research anything to death. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 he came back to me and was like okay well these are seem to be like the two types of leather there's vegetable tan leather and then there's chrome tan leather chrome tanned is tanned much faster they use a ton of chemicals but you can get all these like really cool colors but it's and, a, and much cheaper generally it's but gen- yeah, yeah it's generally much cheaper and it's like a softer feel it's just it's kind of a totally different thing yeah and then the vegetable tan will last longer it will patina and soften over time mm-hmm. Um, it does typically come in like your traditional type colors, mm-hmm. um, but Wicket and Craig do have some off colors that <laughs> we were like super excited about. Um, but anyway, so as part of, so when Nick told me that I was like, okay, 100% we're going to go vegetable tan and I want it to be part of our DNA. And so I love that. because we started with vintage hides, we felt like we were rescuing something that was going to go to a landfill. Yeah. And so our whole idea was, well, if we're going to do new leather, it has to at least be like somewhat better for the earth. And mm-hmm. so I wanted, I wanted to make sure it was like somehow tied to our name so that we always kind of stuck to our ethics as far as it goes with our business. And so a lot when they do the vegetable uh, tanning, they use a lot of hemlock bark. 
um, oh, in the tanning wow. process. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we decided Hemlock and Hide yeah. would be our name. Love it. Yeah. And it's like a four to six week process versus like a, you know, like a week. Yeah. It, it's is- funny. I, so, I mean, I started with Chrome Tan. I, I started and I had no idea what I'm, what I was doing. Oh, yeah. Right? And but, I'm sure our vintage um, hides are Chrome Tan, by the way. Like 90% <laughs> yeah, of the products right. out there are, are pretty much Chrome Tan. So. Yeah. And, and, and I still have a ton of it just because. I got a bunch of it, you know, Acadia mm-hmm. leather, which I, mm-hmm. you know, I, no, no disrespect. I, I, I still recommend that to people. Oh maybe. yeah. Not, not knowing the health I mean, the environmental part, but, yeah. but there, but it's, so I have a lot of that. And I, what I use that now for is like the experimentation okay. type of stuff yep. and uh, prototyping. But it was funny. Cause I didn't, I had no idea, but about the difference. Right. I, I knew veg tan was quote better maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, but the first time I got, I got, so I got a sheet from district, uh, district leather. Oh, yeah. And the first time I used bench tan leather, I was just like, Oh, this is, this is different. This, it's very this, different. Is, this is nice. This is, <laughs> and it, but it's funny though, too, cause it was a little bit to your point, And I don't think I really understood this, but it's stiffer, yes. but, but yes. then it breaks in. Yeah, so like a good nice. pair of shoes. It's, oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's so yeah. funny. Yeah. It's really yeah. funny. You, it's really funny you say that. So uh, my only experience with leather, you know, sorry, but my only experience with leather is in the laser. Yeah. Right? And if you're gonna if you're gonna laser leather, you can't use chrome tan leather because oh, it produces. No, I didn't. Yeah, even think it produces, oh, I, didn't think, yeah. I yeah, never so even thought of that. That's crazy. It actually produces chromium dioxide. Yeah. In the laser, and it will literally eat away the electronics inside the oh laser. Oh my Makes gosh, sense. Yeah, that's so wow. crazy! I didn't know that. Yeah, so you're not supposed to use it. So I've never actually had anything in its raw form except for veg tan leather. Uh-huh. But the first time I bought it, I was like, "This stuff is so stiff. <laughs> it's like it's like cardboard. Yeah. It's like the back of a legal pad, only uh-huh. you know, smooth and suede on two different sides." Uh-huh. And I had no idea that this was a thing. And I'm like, "Why is all my clo- why are all my clothes like nice and soft and mm-hmm. like my leather jacket and all this all nice and soft?" And then I get this piece that I'm going to make something really cool out of. And it's like cardboard. I don't understand. <laughs> and it just turns out that that's the difference. And yeah, it does wear, it obviously wears differently because I made a couple of leather bracelets for myself. And after you wear them a couple of times, they soften right up and it gets really nice. But yeah, that's really funny you say that, Ethan, because that was the first thing I noticed too, was just, wow, this stuff is really, really thick. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, just, I just favorited uh, their website because I want to check out. What yeah. Oh, there. you definitely should. Uh, yeah. 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 Their stuff is awesome. Highly recommend it. And it's funny too, because for me, I actually gravitated more towards the stiff leather, which I know is kind of weird, but I really like, and that's kind of part of our design aesthetic, I guess, too, is I just really like um, structure. structure. (laughs) (laughs) Something, I don't know, I like structure in everything, like in the clothes that I like, in, I don't know, in art and stuff like that. Like, cause, and that's the other thing too, I think that definitely. I was thinking about it when you were talking about it earlier, but I feel like a lot of leather workers just look at a lot of leather workers. And that is a lot of the reason why um, all the stuff ends up kind of looking the same or like iterations of Mm -hmm. the same thing. And Mm -hmm. I, and I think because we tend to look at a lot of different things, like obviously I look at fashion a lot. I look at art a lot. We look at photography a lot, um, Nature. nature for sure. Um, and so we just get inspired, I think, by completely different things. And I think that's 
totally what makes our aesthetic stand out from everyone else. I, I, I totally, I, sorry, go ahead, Nick. I was, I was going to say, I think it's really easy for leather to look kind of crafty and not like in a derogatory sense, but it's like unfinished, I guess. Right. So if you don't finish your edges, if you don't do some certain details, I think it's really easy for it to look like, I don't know, you just started. Right. And we mm-hmm. had bags absolutely that looked oh, like yeah. that we, when we, we first started. We started that way. That's yeah. how it worked. Yeah. But we, you know, I think we, we honed our craft on the, on the edges and like finishing, finishing the details, edges yeah. and the details is like, is key. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting how with with not even really making a major change to your processes, you could see the 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 advancement of your skills looking at your earlier work versus looking at your current work. Like I think that's something that you look at our first Instagram page or photos there. You're going to be sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, what we're it's doing. inspiring, right? To <laughs> yeah. see like we yeah, started exactly. there. It was not been that it's long. Progress. I yeah. <laughs> I love I, the other day. The other day, Instagram popped something up, and it's like your your feed from like three years ago, four years ago, and I'm like, holy <laughs> crap! <laughs> I only made it three years ago. Like, ew, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And you really do start to you really do start to almost be proud of yourself for like, wow. Yeah. I don't, you know, anytime you don't feel, and I, I always tell this to people, anytime you don't feel like you're progressing in your craft, whatever your craft is, just time travel back a couple of years and look through your pictures of your old stuff that you were so proud of. That's so true. That's, <laughs> that's, such, so true. that's such a good thing to do. It, it, and it, it's the, it's the idea of if like you never notice your kid growing, but, yeah. you, know, but, but, but you notice your niece nieces that you don't, you know, yeah, if you don't see them for a couple months, you, you notice them growing. And, and it's, you know, that's absolutely. Cause you, you're, you're in it, right. You don't notice it that you're progressing like you are. And then all of a sudden we've talked about this Vincent so many times is that you get, if you look back, you're like, wow, I really did come a long way, but you don't feel like you've come a long way. Right. Mm -hmm. But real quick, I just want to go back to one thing that you guys said um, about um, like the leather working stuff like that. One of the things that I've always said is one, one of my favorite things to do with leather is use it in a way that is not traditional. Yes. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so some of my favorite projects, and I've said this before, but some of my favorite projects are like the, uh, the leather desk clock that I made, um, yeah. <laughs> actually, which is, which is brown leather and brass. Um, but I love that project and it, it never <laughs> didn't do well. People did not respond to it. But to me, that was one of my favorite projects because it was using it in a way that wasn't a wallet, right? Yeah. And so yeah. it really resonated to me when you guys were saying that you use it in a different way or, you know, a different structure and not in this traditional way. That mean, I think that's so spot on. I think that does set you guys apart. Right. Yeah. I, I think most people start with the small goods and mm-hmm. a lot of people never leave the small good arena. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And they don't kind of press themselves to do something a little bit bigger. Cause you know, maybe that's working out for them, but yeah, you're right. Like using it in a different way is just, that's part of the fun. It's part of the learning. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And that was kind of, yeah. That was kind of why we kind of, because we, you know, we did do the small stuff first too, Mm -hmm. but then we really decided to focus on bags because we were looking at all the other, one, I feel like, you know, a wallet is a wallet. There's only so many iterations you can do. It only carries so many things. Yeah. (laughs) And a a tote bag is a tote bag. I mean, they're they're beautiful, but there's so many tote bags out there. Yeah, And that's not, right. Yeah. Yeah. How do we set ourselves apart in this, in that arena? Like, how do we do that? Right. And so I felt like going into handbags, you know, kind of opened up the doors a little bit more to be a little bit more creative and 
tried different shapes and things like that. You know, obviously a wallet is kind of a little bit more two dimensional where a bag is three dimensional. You have a lot more to play with. And like, I, I feel like while that, that world is just like strictly functional in a lot of ways, and then mm. you can kind of, you can play with a handbag. You can play with like the design yeah. of different. Well, there's different ways to wear a handbag too. Like right. your wallet pretty much is always going in your pocket or into another bag. Right. But if um, you're 5'8", how does it look on you versus if you're yeah. like four? <laughs> if you're 4'11". Four Land's very short for those of you who don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly live like, today, yeah. <laughs> One of the things I one of the things I love is some something you mentioned earlier, and it kind of it 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 kind it clicked subconsciously, but then it really clicked when you said it. Is you really embrace structure mm-hmm. in your stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm looking, you know, I'm looking at all your your you know your 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 basically your white background product shots through your feed, and they stand up on their own. Yes, it's <laughs> kind of freaking cool. Like a lot of a lot of leather workers are afraid of anything that's not like baby skin soft that collapses when when it sits there. Like they really like the um, almost like a sack more than a bag. Yes. And like, I think it's just two totally different aesthetics. Like yeah, the I am just not drawn to like the slouchy, mushy, amorphous soft, blob. amorphous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where when you put it down and walk away, no one's gonna be like, oh, that's so and so's bag, you know. Yeah. Whereas if it's our bag and you place it down, it's going to stay the exact same shape and someone will notice it from far away. It's really just so that we can do easy product photography. That's the only reason. <laughs> hey, hey, as someone who does a lot of product photography, <laughs> let me tell you, there is something to be said for designing things that stand up on their own. <laughs> oh, yeah. I agree. <laughs> it's it's remarkable. And the other thing that I noticed about your feed, um, first of all, you're you're very you're very present in your feed, which is really interesting because usually sites that usually Instagram feeds that are for companies that do a lot of product, um, you don't usually see the people in them as much as you see the product. I mean, I'm just as guilty of that you're, I'm not in my feed anymore. I never have a picture of me. I'm in my stories all the time, but I'm never in my feed. But you guys are like, you have, you've really done a good job of putting a face to the company. Right. Um, and then you intersperse these like just these cute lives and like these short videos of the two of you. And then there's these amazing and I literally mean amazing as someone who does this. Your product photography is mm-hmm. absolutely freaking stellar. All Nick. <laughs> he is. Our well, I figured considering in you're house. in most of the pictures. Yeah, right? <laughs> that would be Unless you got some weird right? mirror technique. Right? <laughs> but it's your product photography is just off the charts. It's it's so good. And I, I know you you know you mentioned art and design school, yeah. but is there formal photography training in your background i mean we also? took we both yeah. took intro to photography in, yeah. for illustration and i, was and the like, TA. I think yeah right. <laughs> i think i think we always just like telling stories and right. you know it's you see a lot of photography out there it's just very blah and it's dark or like it's just it doesn't tell you anything so mm-hmm. we we kind of we really try to tell a story with our images and it's I mean, I have a lot of fun when we do them, so I, hopefully yeah. that comes across. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're just stellar. Like there, there's mood, there's yeah. good lighting, there's just uh, again, it's, there's, it's there's, a, there's a there's a through line. <laughs> aggravating. That was not what we were we, going for. Crap. We were looking for happy no, aggravating unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, a lot of like necessity is the mother of invention. invention That's yeah. how you say it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we're using, we're using the empty space in our upstairs 
of our house for some of those photography yeah, yeah. moments in um, for the Bowery. And like we use the back, you know, the behind back of our, our house because yeah. <laughs> um, we have <clears throat> cedar shingles on the back of our house. And that was just like a really nice contrast. So when you look for those detailed moments, you can find like something so simple that can really frame a whole photo shoot. Yeah. And I, I, we do that a lot with nature. Um, we go to the Valley Forge National Park, which is really yeah, close to us. Yeah. Um, and we just that's that's part of the whole process. We just feel inspired by nature and inspired by the small things yeah and then as far as like um our faces being in it so much (laughs) honestly that's kind of um a lot to do with covid uh um well we started lives because of covid exactly we couldn't do shows or makers markets yeah we started trying to engage with people over the internet and we we started to find the following and like people got excited to say hey you can do a live and we're like uh, i guess so yeah so we started <laughs> so start about april i think we started doing a live every single day yeah and we did that till i don't want to say like july it was, august yeah, it was quite a while. before we moved to our new house um wow yeah it was intense but it was also so much fun cuz we missed the what was so great about doing the markets was we got to interact with our customer, like face-to-face, get feedback right in front of us. Um, you know, they could pick up the bag, smell the bag, because I definitely I like definitely to smell, smell the bags. It's oh. <laughs> super weird. <laughs> um, no, if you, yeah. If you work with leather, you absolutely know exactly what we're talking about. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was like that was doing our shows was the place to get feedback. Um, mm-hmm. And also even more so and what we kind of like always viewed our shows as was educating people on our product on the leather that we use and why we use it and all that sort of thing and then because of covid obviously we then could not do our spring shows that we had lined up and we're like now what are we gonna do (laughs) so that's when we tried doing the lives and people seemed to really like it and just kind of kept going and i think i think it will really connect to like the human aspect of things. They, they like to know that we make the bags. They like to, they like to see the people behind the process. And that's exactly it. Because, Cause like we, know, well, yeah. So it basically, you know, we started off like, oh, okay, well maybe we can use Instagram to do the same thing. But what, what was even better about doing Instagram rather than doing the shows is one, we had a bigger audience and two, we got to actually show the physical process because mm-hmm. before we're just mm-hmm. physically showing the finished product. So now we're showing how we do it and we realize like, oh, people don't understand what it actually takes to what make goes it. into it. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And why maybe uh-huh. it costs as much as it does, et cetera. Yeah. I, we did okay, shows so and people didn't realize we actually made the bags that were right in front of us. They're, yeah. No, you don't do They thought you're just yeah. reselling them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, it's funny very that, interesting. You it's very interesting that you mentioned that because I, I feel I feel I I can't speak tonight. I felt like I was, as you were saying that, I was starting to understand the process of why you would be in front of the camera so much and why. Because, yeah, when I, and I'm not saying this in any way other than informational, Mm -hmm. your stuff is expensive. Right. It's not overly expensive, but it isn't, you know, it isn't, it's not not an impulse buy. Yeah. It's it's definitely not. Like it's, it would be a considered decision to buy a hemlock hide bag. And that's for a reason, right? Because there's a lot of work that goes into it, the materials, all of it. I'm not, I would, uh, right. Yeah, it, there's there's definitely a reason that it costs as much. But by putting yourself in front of the in front of 
front of the camera? Yeah, in front of the camera as much and creating a relationship with your customers. They can kind of say, oh, I'm buying, I'm not buying a bag from Hemlock and Hyde. I'm buying a bag from Leanne and Nick. Right, right. Yeah. And that does make, that does actually make a difference, I think, especially when you're looking at something that expensive. It's like, well, why is it that expensive? Well, because it's, it's two people who are making this stuff, Mm, you know, it's Right. Small business run by two people right. who are interacting with me and who are engaging with me and becoming, you know, a, a quote friend. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I can kind of understand. I've I got the relationship with them. It's worth it for me to drop four and a quarter on a bag. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Well, what's been so cool is that people have picked up leather work as a hobby, like <laughs> yeah. just talking to us. And yeah. it's just it's cool to be inspirational people to people because you don't ever really feel like you are being inspirational. Yeah. But like someone's inspired by you that's just kind of i guess the reality yeah because that I mean, crazy we're yeah. not we're not content creators by any means <laughs> um i mean we aspire to be that i think at some point mm-hmm. but um that yeah, wasn't our goal <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't our goal when we started off um mm-hmm. but what is so cool too is then we have people like just today someone um what did she she like sent us a dm i think and she was like oh is one of those bags mine that you're yeah. working on i was like actually right. the bag right. i'm working on in this video this is, is your bag and then <laughs> oh, she so posted the video on her yeah. instagram and i was oh, that's so cool we were actually talking like if we could figure right. out a way to film everyone's bag being made and be like this is your bag being made they'd be so you excited know. yeah they'd be so pumped <laughs> yeah that what, might, one of the things one of the things i always like say about podcast and i think this goes to the to your lives is that it humanizes us right Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and part of the reason why people connect with podcasts and stuff is because of that right so i think that, i think you guys are spot on with the doing the lives and stuff like that because it makes you human it and to vincent's point it shows that it's the two of you that are you know that are people that are you know down to earth fun people that are passionate about what they're doing and that make and that puts so much more value into the product just by knowing the people that made it, mm-hmm. and and I think that's really I think that's a really smart thing, and I, but also really t- you know important thing and touching thing. Like it's we we do put our passion into this, right? You guys are doing this because you're passionate, not because you're you know yeah you know, corporate whatever, right? right you're yeah. doing this because you love doing it and you want to put it out there. And so I think the lives is I mean that's so smart and so brilliant and I never really thought about the the live aspect of Instagram that way. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm starting to think about it now. <laughs> I'm trying to build up some cutting board inventory there for my go. shop. And it's like, you know, people get to see it made. They're going to want it a whole lot more once it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh man, We're but doing take- the lives would make me so nervous. I get such a bad stomach ache before <laughs> doing that. <laughs> oh, I can't oh, imagine. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, okay. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> just have a beer. No, oh, it's it's Nick that needs a beer, right? <laughs> uh, yep. I'm, I'm a good. Yeah, it's a check. <laughs> I have uh, sparkling water. Sparkling water over here. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll maybe go to a sponsor. I don't know if there's a sponsor. There might be a sponsor. If there's not, we'll be right back. If there is, we'll have a sponsor, and then we will be right back. So one of the things that we were talking about doing for um, for our supporters, I keep you know it's funny. I keep saying I'm against Patreon, and yet I keep wanting to say our Patreon supporters, <laughs> but it's just it's like a reflex. Um, but one of the things that we wanted to do is record the um, – well, we record it anyway. It, we, I don't stop the recording it for the halftime show. 
is to actually just give the halftime show out nice. as a bonus to people. <laughs> <laughs> I have to think yeah. about that very carefully because sometimes we say some stuff in there and yeah, it's yeah. like, I don't know if I want everyone mm-hmm. to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but we had, so Ethan, Ethan. Um, yeah, the, we, you're, you can tell the world. No, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be generous. Um, Ethan, Ethan has a habit during the halftime show. He has to disappear for a few minutes. Um, and because, you know, he's pregnant. And <laughs> we, um, I was talking to Leanne and Nick, and I, I had to ask. You know, I, I warned her that we were going to ask a very obvious question, because I'm sure this is on everyone's mind. You know, we have to ask the probing questions on this podcast. <laughs> and then she just drops a bomb on me that just completely caught me flat-footed. So... So I, question, and I have not heard this because yeah 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 uh, this is pregnant. <laughs> congratulations by the way thank you, thank you. <laughs> gonna be a leather boy <laughs> that sounds wrong that sounds so wrong but, that uh, so uh, <laughs> oh yeah that's a whole different thing in New York isn't it <laughs> oh yeah mm-hmm. um, okay so I asked the question that I'm sure everyone would be asking Leanne what is up with the hats. <laughs> Yeah, we're hats. So, yeah, you, I mean, <laughs> I like it. I, we actually, one of my friends on Instagram actually goes by the name "I Wear Many Hats," and oh. I'm like, "You are nothing compared to Leanne when it comes to wearing many hats." <laughs> so, what is the deal with the hats? Well, it's not gonna. I feel, so, but then you said, "Well, I'm start." I was starting to wonder if you had Friar Tuck hair <laughs> and you're bald on top, and I told you. Well, I did actually have childhood alopecia. <laughs> I was the only nursery schooler with a comb over. <laughs> and that is true. That's totally true. <laughs> so, what, I mean, where to even start? So, <laughs> you, it's, that's such an unusual condition to have to deal with. And how, how, long, how long did you have to deal with that? I mean, I think it was maybe one to two years it wasn't long um and they don't really know why it happened but all my hair grew back and i have all my hair now so that's not why i'm wearing hats (laughs) (laughs) so so for for us what's the condition it makes you lose your hair yeah yeah so i basically went bald um in nursery school i I lost like a big chunk of hair on top of my head i was like i basically like male pattern baldness but on mm-hmm. a four-year-old so fryer tuck hair oh. so fryer tuck hair yes exactly. <laughs> <laughs> basically what it is your your immune system attacks your hair follicle 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 oh my god I can't for anything. <laughs> your immune system attacks your hair i, I give up yeah. hair, <laughs> All those hair holes in your head <laughs> or or vincent or whatever that's what yeah. you guys. <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 an that's on. I didn't even know. First of all, I didn't know childhood yeah. alopecia was a thing. And wow, so you that's so you you kind of you were really too young. Were you old enough really to understand what was happening, or like did you have any I clue mean, that I remember, was going on? I remember it. I don't really mm-hmm. know that I cared. Like I don't think I was. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was aware enough to care. I just knew that that was happening. I was like, whatever. <laughs> I'm playing on the slide, you know? <laughs> oh, I, wish, I wish we could all be four-year-olds, right? Seriously. I mean, no. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Especially these days. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. I, but <laughs> to, talk, to come back to the hats. Oh, yeah. Hats. So, yeah. So, I do wear hats all the time. You guys will see that if you look at our Instagram. Um, one, I, I just love hats. I've I, loved I dig hats. the style, by the way. Thank That's you. Like, yeah, I, I really <laughs> do. Your go-to flat-brimmed brown hat. I really do like that hat a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I, I love hats. I've loved hats since I was a kid. Like 
always I don't know if it started with the alopecia or what, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I've just always loved hats. And now <laughs> we're hoping to start making hats, actually. <laughs> it's like oh, yes, please. my next thing. Yeah. And it's like that thing, you know, that makers get where you're so excited to learn a new yeah. skill that you cannot sleep. That is what is happening. And all I'm doing is like checking them my tracking every day to see when my <laughs> hand tools are gonna get here. Are you gonna like <laughs> steam them and stuff? Like yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I can't wait. Like, I've always been fascinated by that process because yeah. the, in the whole, like, I mean, the, you know, the, the high end, like, cowboy hats and stuff like that, that are like where they steam it and they fit it to your head. Oh, it, that's such a cool process. I don't know why I've always been intrigued by that. So I'm super excited. Oh, I, so, have, yes. so have I. And actually, I think part of it is when I was, I think I was in second grade, something like that. So one of the kids in my class, his, parents own a hat making factory in New Jersey and we got to visit the factory and I I still to this day have very vivid memories of going through the hat making factory and like watching the process now obviously it was a factory so it's you know machine driven mostly but it, it was just so impressive and I just remember I think I still have like the cowboy hat I got to take home that day <laughs> I think it's <laughs> at my parents awesome. house but yeah, that's our that's our next big venture. So wow, yeah. I think that's so cool. I'm you so heard excited. It here first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hemlock and hide haberdashery. <laughs> I like it. There you go. <laughs> wow, that it's so. I love. I love. I really do love that about about the maker mentality, where you could do the same thing for like twenty years, <laughs> and then just go. I am really wanting to do something else. And that becomes your thing. Mm -hmm. Like for all we know, you know, bags will become a thing of the past and it's just going to be high end hats. (laughs) Well, you never know. (laughs) Well, it's also that mentality of like, I can't sleep because I'm so excited about about things. You have no idea how often that happens to me. I bet. I think it's, I think it happens to every maker. I think, I think that part of like, and Nick and I talk about this a lot, actually, like, why do certain people have this, like, maker mentality and, like, this drive to want to make things with their hands? And I, I think part of it is, like, just pure curiosity. I think oh, yeah. part of it totally. is this, like, um, want to learn and better oneself and mm-hmm. just learn a new skill. Well, it's, it's just a different way of looking at the world. Like, I look at objects and say, I wonder if I can make that. Yeah. Or like mm-hmm. how somebody yep. figured out how to make that in the past. So how come I can't do that? Right, right. And then I go right. down the rabbit hole of the research and then figure out how, you know, the yeah. whole historical process, process and all that yeah. stuff. But like, I think that's just how we look at things. And I, I think that's pretty unique to the maker community. Yeah. But I, th- and I think we were just having this conversation the other day, actually, that really like the, the main undercurrent or thread or whatever you want to call it is this like little bit of optimism in all of us to look at something that's already made and be like, oh, I can do that. I'm going to make, I'm going to try to do it. There's, there's got to be like this little undercurrent, I think, of optimism in, in every maker. Or a slight amount of ego. Oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. There's a, it's, it's a combination of things, right? It's optimism. It's, it's a little bit of ego, but it's also this mindset of how bad could it actually be? Right. Yeah, right. that's yep. so true. How bad could it be? How bad could it be if I tried to make this and I completely fall flat on my face? So what? I'll make it again. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's so and we're not the talking about process too after that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know we are at our hearts. I think we all are to some extent. We're skill collectors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
where yeah. it's like, I, you know, I love that. And I love that Andy Pugh, by the way, put a name to that to call it, you know, we're all just skill collectors. We're all out trying to collect new skills. You know, even like I was saying earlier, um, I think it was in the pre-show that I use Adobe Illustrator all day, every day at work. Like that's my go-to app. It's the mm-hmm. app I use the most. But there are some areas of Illustrator where I'm very, very weak. Mm-hmm. So today, one of the things I decided I was going to do is I was going to strengthen some of, some of my skills with a couple of the tools I'm really bad with. And I ended up making a couple of things that I just thought were so freaking cool. And I'm like, I can't believe that this took me so long to get right. And now I can just do this, you know? And I think that that's kind of the maker spirit too. It's like, I, you know, I want to learn how to make, I don't know, let's say cutting boards as an example, just because it's one that's very germane. Um, But I want to learn how to make cutting boards. So what's involved in making a cutting board? Well, you cut your strips and you glue them. Okay, well now what? And you know, if you take these crazy processes one thing at a time, it's really not a big task. You know, you eat the elephant one bite at a time, you know, and just the same way you do everything else. And I think makers just inherently are not afraid to take on new things because they know that every new thing is really just a bunch of processes strung together in a certain order to take you from raw material to finished product. I mean, that's really where it comes from. I think that's an interesting point because like we, we were trained as illustrators. So like we were painting all the time and part of that process is kind of like these happy accidents where you, you create something by accident. You're like, you know what? I really like that. And I want to recreate it. And you can then implement that in like another, another project or another painting later. Mm -hmm. And you kind of collect those types of skills and then eventually you create your own style and your own language and that, that becomes you. I, I love that. I, I think that's, there's been so many projects that I, or things that I've done that haven't turned out the way that I wanted them to turn out. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. to your, to your exact point, it just, I learned something from that or I learned or thought of something from that, that sparked another idea that was a successful one. And, and that's that like, I don't think there's anything more exciting for me <laughs> than that moment of being and, and and the same when you're like building something in your head at 3 a.m. And you're like, <laughs> I, need, I, I need to go to sleep, but I'm so excited about this. Right. And and you're just like, I can't wait to like go to sleep so I can wake up and <laughs> do it. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, that makes so much sense to me. I, and I think that it is a really common trend, but uh, from it, of a quote maker, right? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So, how much? I always ask this question to people that do, um, particularly products, right? Because mm-hmm. um, it's it's very obvious for, it's very obviously part of the process for people that make that have a product based, particularly product based business and make stuff. And I, you've shown pictures of your sketches, but how many like designs, like, do you keep your notebook handy and then like, you have like a, a lightning bolt of inspiration. You just sit there and sketch it real quick. And do you have like a, like a shelf full of notebooks with ideas that you haven't done yet? Like what's your, what's the overall design process for like new products? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, Vincent, I had the same thought. I was like, how do you come up with those? Like the structure, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, totally right. Yeah. Go. Sorry. I think, I think it's an organic process. I mean, I think Leanne can talk best about. Yeah. Well, Nick and I work super differently. Yeah. Um, uh, but almost. <laughs> <laughs> complete opposite. Um, but I, I tend to actually, I'll think of something and then I'll think about it and I'll think about it and I'll think about it for almost like months until I almost have fully fleshed out the idea in my head and then I'll start sketching and then 
once I feel like I really got it, I'll go ahead and make a paper pattern and then make, you know, try to make the bag. And typically, for the most part, the first one I make is pretty darn close to what my end piece will be. I'll probably make like two or three other iterations Mm -hmm. of it before I'm satisfied with it and decide like, okay, we're going to try this design out. Um, But yeah, I, I, (laughs) basically it's kind of like, almost like, um, so I have only one tattoo in my entire body. um, But I always said to myself like, okay, I always wanted to get a tattoo and I always thought, okay, well, if I, if I draw it now and then I still want it in a year, I'll get it, but I would never want it in a year. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) um, and it's the kind of the same process I take with the bags. If I think about it now and I'm still thinking about it a month from now, and I'm still thinking about it another month from now, then maybe it's really actually a good idea. And, and that's when I start to really flesh out the idea in my head and start sketching. I like that. Yeah. That's so Nick though. Yeah. So I'm, I'm more of like a mad scientist. (laughs) I kind of like, I don't know. Leanne has watched me cook many times, (laughs) but like, it's a mess. It's terrible. Like I put, I I never use a recipe and I just kind of throw everything together and it tastes good at the end and everyone's happy. But um, that's kind of how I approach (laughs) bag making and design in general. Um, And it's interesting that we end up in a similar place sometimes, but um yeah, like I'll, I'll want to work with the material and like get it in 3D as fast as possible so I can refine it from that point on because that's just, I guess that's just how my brain works. Like Leanne can sit on an idea and refine it mentally before it's ready to go. I just I just need to get in there and then create those happy accidents, I guess. Yeah. And then like be inspired by my own process to go. So how do you guys deal with that? I mean, obviously very different styles. How do you guys deal with that? Um. Or, or guys, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. so I mean, to be perfectly honest, I do take more of the design lead as far as like making the bags and designing the bags go. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick does all of our wax canvas, and then he does all of like anything that's you would call, I guess, men's. Although we don't really have like men's yeah. and women's on our site, but he does more of like the wallet, like the small stuff in the wallets. Right. Yeah. And and uh, by the way, Nick, I'm going to hit you up because uh, wax canvas is one of the things I want to start doing. So I'm going to oh, hit you up. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's, I, I love, I, I think what, I think what can make something like that work is a, a strong, maybe, maybe not super absolute, but definitely a strong division of labor. Yeah. Will actually yeah. Stop mm-hmm. all the potential. It's like, if you guys don't design similarly, then you shouldn't be working on designs together. Right. Because. Yeah. Right. That's where the conflict ones, right? Happen. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole time, I mean, the whole time we've known each other, I feel like we've had a very similar aesthetic. Definitely. And we've yeah. kind of, I mean, they're different, but similar. And we yeah. can always find common ground there. Yeah. And I, I agree. I agree. We have very similar aesthetics. And so we work on different parts. But in the end, we still ask each other for feedback. Oh, for sure. And totally take that feedback and mm-hmm. do something. With like it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have created those photographs of our bags and you without your help, obviously. Right? Yeah, right yeah. But like I, the, the feedback is so important that we were really open about the process and, you know, you have to kind of put your emotions to the side when you're creating something because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really matter how you feel about it. Like, let's just try to better the product or better our aesthetic or better like our photographs. Like, let's just, right. let's just, let's just be better. Yeah. And, and to that point too, we also definitely divide up the business, I think, mm-hmm. um, 
pretty well too. And I think that's why we work together. You know, a lot of husband and wives couldn't work together. Um, but for us, it works because we kind of fill in the gaps for each other. Um, Nick is definitely better at the business end of things. You know, I might be better at like the making of the bags and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, but, and it's not that one person couldn't do that thing either. I think that's right, part right. of it too. Like I could do some of the business yeah, Like stuff. we're both informed about the other side. So it's really helpful yeah. to have your, each other's feedback about each part. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But well, um, I it's your point, Vincent, I think that, I mean, from what I'm hearing is it sounds like it's your point, Vincent, you're not trying to step on each other, no. mm -hmm. but support each other. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think a lot of people get lost in that and they get, they, you know, you take offense to like something negative Ego about what horrible, you're doing. And right. it's like, you know what? Like, that's not what this is about. <laughs> no, it's about being successful. It's about us being a successful business. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the, the uh, admittedly, you know, the husband and wife part of it will complicate things. But if you have, if you're, if you're, goal oriented as far as the business goes, then it really doesn't matter who you're doing it with. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, the business is the, the end, right? That's the, we want to make this better. So however we get to better, you know, we can discuss, but really the goal, as long as you, you both know that you're on the same page, as far as the end goal, then anything can be smoothed out along the way. It's just, you know, in fact, it's probably good if you have those little, even if you butt heads once in a while, just see, so you, you know, to kind of get it out and just way that it doesn't become something that's like, you don't want things to become a thing over time. Yeah. And it's, it's really nice. I love when I hear, because I remember one of the first couples we had on this podcast was Kim and Garrett. Mm -hmm. And when I had them on, I remember asking, like, you guys are husband and wife and you don't seem to want to kill each other. Like, what's the deal <laughs> with that? Because <laughs> you know, it, so, it was so weird to me because, you know, husband and wives that work together are a thing, obviously. But it was it's like you can tell when there's a good vibe between the two versus when it's like, oh, yeah, we do our separate thing. And then we put our we put both of our names on this. You know, right. you have to be willing to try the other person's idea, whether <clears throat> excuse me, whether you agree with it or not, and then see what, where it goes. And I think that's also just part of the maker mentality. Like mm. if if this doesn't work, whatever. But if it does, then great. Like we're happy that it worked. Um, that's the, that's the humility, though. I mean, right. that, and that's and that's not easy for. Yeah. Yeah. Us, right? And I think. Right. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm just like, we're talking this out and I'm realizing, oh, I did learn things in art school. Um, <laughs> um, this is a waste of money. Awesome. No, student loan. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but I think, you know, we do, you do a lot of group critique where you're yeah. critiquing each other's work and you have to kind of, you grow a thick skin and you learn to take feedback and, and realize that it's only going to make the work better. Um, Sorry if you're hearing weird sounds. Our dog is having a moment. Um, <laughs> um, for Clem. Yeah, she's like waking up from a weird dream or something. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I think in art school, we, we definitely got that thick skin. And then also our other jobs that we have and had before, like when I was an art director, I had to give a lot of other people essentially mm -hmm. critique on their work. Sure. And we were both managers. Um, and so you have to learn how to give feedback and take feedback. And I think we just apply that to our business yeah. in a way that works well. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I, I think for people that are in the content game, mm. that's a good lesson to learn mm. is that, I mean, there's the horrible like, or idiot trolls, 
Oh, yeah. oh. But the, the but there are people and I and even on my you know my small audiences, there are people that are trying to give uh, constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and take it. You know, like you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to whatever. But it's it's feedback. So take it for what it is, and don't get so self righteous or so defensive that it's gonna like that it makes you mad. Think about it and. Is there is there some truth to it? Okay, and, well, like, and yeah, in in art school, like once you once you put, or just generally once you put a product out there, it's not really yours anymore, right? It's right. how everybody feels about it and how what they think. Yeah, so right. it would be kind of naive to not think about their perspective because they're your potential customer, yeah. <laughs> or like they're the yeah, people that are looking right. at it. So right. well, that makes you wonder. So um, I just. I just put a couple of things up on my site and I was very excited about them. And I did like, um, I don't want to say like a secret launch, but I did offer them to my mailing list before I put them on this on Instagram and I put them up on like a Friday morning. I'm like, Oh, by Monday morning, these are going to be gone. And they didn't sell. Yeah. Mm. I, I always wonder, like, like I feel terrible. Like they're still sitting in my store and it's like, these are really nice pieces. And I'm really up. I'm kind of upset that they're not moving. Right. And I wonder like, do you, have you had those moments too where you made something and you're like, this is killer? And then you get the sales and they're like, yeah, we, we don't really like that that much. Like, has there been a product where you thought it was going to be like, oh, I'm going to make, I'm going to sell this thing like crazy. And then it hits the public and the reaction is either lukewarm or ice cold. Like, have you had those moments? Well, we were talking about something similar mm-hmm. earlier about pre ordering. So we did a pre order launch for the Olive and the Sienna and they went really, really well. Um, but we did a pre-order like a year or two. It was before, last spring. I don't even remember. Yeah. Uh, before that, and like nobody bought it, and we were just like, "Well, okay, that didn't work." But y- you kind of have to put yourself aside from that and say, "You know what? Let's try that again." And then we're glad that we did because it worked out the second time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was because of the timing or because of the product or because of the color or whatever. But um, sure, we. I mean, we have failures all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think too, like. It's funny because we kind of have had them with our designs a little bit too. Like, and maybe this is like a personal thing, but so one of our bags is called the Margot bag. It's my personal favorite design that I've done. It's not necessarily a bestseller. It's like a okay, okay seller, yeah. but I like I will not drop it. Like, there's no way it's coming off. <laughs> like, we're never. We're always going to yeah. offer that because it's a personal favorite, but. I realized the one with the the wood, yeah, the wood dowels, dowels, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. no, I like that. So keep it. Yeah, but it's funny because sometimes I think you just have to kind of wait for your audience sometimes to catch up with you, um, hmm. because I like that. I love that. Actually, when I started That's off great. with that yeah. bag. It didn't do that well, and now it does pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take it down because I love it. And maybe it'll just keep going as a pretty good seller, and that's fine. Well, I think if you're passionate about it, there's gonna be they're always gonna they're gonna feel that, yeah. And eventually, it, it might work out, yeah. And mm-hmm. can you know just be excited about that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the other bag that I kind of a similar situation, which is the Charlotte's, it's like that sling. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a fanny pack. Um, that's my my other favorite bag because I wear those two bags all the time, and it has. We had so, that was a slow start for that one. Such yeah. a slow start for that bag. Like couldn't sell any, and I had already made a die for it and everything because I was so in love with it. And now all of a sudden, it's selling like yeah. really well, I and mean, it's getting a lot of interest. And 
sometimes I think like you just kind of, if you really believe in the thing that you did and you're like, no, that's a really great product. Sometimes it might just be that you have to wait for your customers to kind of catch up with you. Um, especially in the maker space where you're, you're the one coming up with a new idea or a new product. Um, they might not just, they might not be ready for it quite yeah, yet. Yeah, they have to get comfortable with it. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if that's, there's a part of it that like we were talking about earlier where, everyone's so used to the mm-hmm. variations on the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's hard for people to kind of accept or, you know, get the new thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if there's some of that. I, I believe that. I mean, it just takes people a little while to get out of the variations and into the new design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. And it, what's it's really funny. You, it's really funny you say that. See, this is why I like this is why I like doing this podcast because I'm going to admit that sometimes it's actually therapy for me. But <laughs> the two designs that I'm talking about are outside the norm of what I normally make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that makes so, perfect very, sense. Then. Very, very interesting. Don't yeah, give I, up I on just, them; they'll sell. <laughs> oh, they'll sell. And it's funny because deep down, I know they'll sell. Like I'm yeah. just, I'm used to putting something up on my site, like usually the jewelry stuff sits in there for a while until somebody finds it and then they buy it and that's fine. But when I put something wood up, I usually don't have to wait very long for it to sell. And if I have to wait, like it's now been up a little over a week and it's starting to be like, is this thing going to sell? Like I'm not used to having to deal with it, you know? And it's, but yeah, you're right. It, it, it probably, the customers have to catch up to it. That's a really good way to put it. And I think that's good advice for anyone that's, you know, we do have most of the people that listen to this podcast admittedly don't sell anything. They pretty much just make stuff for the sake of making or they're content creators. But I think for the people that are actually trying to turn it into a business and sell their stuff, I think that's really good advice cool. to, you know, just don't worry. Your audience, your audience slash customer will catch up to it eventually and you'll probably be okay. I think that's the same thing with content though, Vincent. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes if you believe in what you're, what you're doing, just wait, you know, just give some time to, for people to discover, like if you're truly passionate about it and you think it's good, just give it some time. And, and we talk about it with podcasting all the time. Right. Podcasting is great because if you, you know, I always, you know, people, people, I've heard this. What's really funny by the way, is I've heard this said back to me like, Oh yeah. You know, if you make 20 episodes, then you're probably going to stick around a while. (laughs) (laughs) Where'd you hear that from? You heard it from me. (laughs) The reason that that's true is very simple. If you've gone through the slog to get through 20 episodes, the momentum is just going to keep carrying you, at least for a little while. You may not go 300 episodes, right? It may not be – you may not be around for the next 20 years. But but if you've made it through the first 20, where basically for the first 10, most podcasts, no one listens to you at all. Like, you you know, everyone that listens is somebody you know at that point (laughs) – and I think if you get the idea is if you get to 20, you're like, oh, this is now a routine. When you get to your one year anniversary, whatever, whenever that works out to be, now you're kind of in a, you're not just doing this for the love of it. You've built an audience. Even if it's a small audience, you've built your audience. You've built your, you've established the format of your show. You've established what your content is going to be like. And that is true. It does sometimes take, the audience, that's a good point, Ethan. It does sometimes take the audience a little bit to catch up to what you're doing. And when they do get on the same page, by the way, it's the greatest thing in the world because you can, if you turn those people into loyal 
you know, customers or viewers, subscribers or listeners, they're going to be around for a long time. As long as you keep providing the quality that they showed up for, I think you're going to be in good shape. So, yeah, I think, I think we try to avoid like coming across, like we're trying to sell something. Like we, we, we just kind of hope yeah. that people are married to the product. Like they get, okay. they get like excited to, about it and we're showing them that. <laughs> I have to talk about that because that is something that is so, so I've seen your, I've seen your stories, I've seen your posts, and that is something you guys do better than just about anyone I follow that has a product-based business. I, you sell without selling and it's amazing. It is <laughs> I am so jealous of your ability to sell your stuff without going, oh, this is for sale now. You know, there's no, it's almost like there's no hard sell. And I'm, I'm, is that the mentality of we don't need to do it or it's just, that's just not our vibe and we're just never going to do it. It's funny when we did our first market, I was like, I don't want to sell to people. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of want to tell them what we're doing and I hope they're excited about it too. Yeah. And that's basically <laughs> and what we that's did. That's kind of what we've, how we've evolved. Um, I th- I think people are just so used to being hard sold to or seeing advertisements or just they're just so used to it that I, I think they're numb to it and yeah. I don't want to be sold to like no that's the thing I think we hate being sold to yeah, so much sure. that we would never want to do that to a customer right. or a potential customer so it's I think it's just not it's not it's in us not we are. to do that <laughs> and instead we'd rather just like share what we do and how mm-hmm. we do it and. Because the reality is, is like the customer I have to like convince to buy our product uh, yeah, is not our not, customer. Like, why true. do I have to want that you that you want this? I, I don't want to do that. Um, but the person that's like, wow, you make this and you, you know, you use it from a leather that's in your state and like you do it in your home and, and they you're, appreciate you're supporting all your the, family yeah, and all yeah. those things. They appreciate what we're doing. That's our customer. Like we, they want to, like we care about them. Story, they care about the story and uh there's a story behind the product and that's what they're buying. I mean, that's not what they're buying, but, but that's, no, it is, it is, especially now experience, right? I mean, that's why, look, if there was, if the story behind the product didn't matter, none of us would be doing social media. That's all branding wouldn't work then, right? Yeah. We wouldn't have Pepsi or Coke or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Hey, have the soda. Yeah. Soda. (laughs) Pop, whatever. (laughs) There would be one brand of everything and we'd all be very, very, very bored with all of it. <laughs> I think that's really interesting because I, you know, one of, one of my, one of my obsessions over the last couple of years has been branding and not so much the marketing side of it. Cause I'm not really into the marketing as much as I'm in, I'm fascinated by branding and brand positioning mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it is amazing how, you know, you can establish yourself as a brand in ways you don't even expect. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, I had, I was doing all the stuff I do for a long time before I ever figured out what my niche was. Mm-hmm. My niche wasn't making cutting boards and, you know, all jewelry and stuff like that. My niche was that I could customize anything that you guys want to buy. Mm-hmm. And that's, it was interesting that when I figured that out and I remember the moment I figured it out, it was just like a revelation it was like, oh, this is my brand. Like, the, you, you, you can do what you want. You can have your, you can, you can have your, your whole thing planned out in front of you. And then someone puts a little bug in your head, and all of a sudden, your whole business plan just goes. Wait a minute. Nope. 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 This is it right here. <laughs> this is it. And I think, you know, I know that there's a lot of people that listen to this that believe in the philosophy of kill your babies. You know, if something's not working, just kill your babies and do it again. Yeah. 
But I think that I think it's a lot easier said than done, especially when you feel like, oh, this is the path I'm on. Um, oh, look at that exit ramp. That looks real good. Oh, there's a Arby's over there. I'm I'm getting off right here. You know, it's, and it's it's interesting. You know, I wonder, have you guys had to do that, or has your plan pretty much played out the way you expected it? Or I think we've been you know, very open to what kind of lies ahead of us. Um, I don't feel like. Like we do have a plan, but I don't feel like we drove really hard towards the plan, if that makes sense. Yeah, things change along the way. We kind of just Yeah, we're very with flexible it. with how yeah. things end up. And like I think we're very open to like, you know, we have to be very conscious of what our customer wants. So if, if something's just not working and like nobody's buying it, then of course we have to get rid of it. Or, yeah, like we've had bags that we've dropped for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but I think I think you have to let kind of not the universe, but let let the universe tell you where to go in a sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm believe me. I, I could tell you story after story of why that, what you just said there, boy, did that hit a lot of chords for me just now. <laughs> wow. Did that? Yeah. The, I, I've become a very strong believer in that. Not so much that things happen for a reason, but that yeah. the, things get laid out in front of you for a reason. Right. It's like, you know, you get an opportunity where I met, I met, I'll give you a very good example. I met one of my, my biggest customer, I started posting on Instagram and I really started like buckling down and posting, like legitimately posting on Instagram rather than just occasionally throwing stuff up. And I bumped into my biggest customer on Instagram and he has spent a lot of money. And then yesterday, was it yesterday or the day before I get a random message on Instagram? Hey, blah, blah, referred me and I have some stuff I need made. Can you do it for me? And it's like, holy crap. That's great. The universe universe put him in front of put the, the big customer in front of me and i thought that was the goal right but now he's referring people he knows back to me and i'm getting business and it's like wow okay i just completely misread that but this is great you know and i think that that's sometimes we might actually even miss the opportunity because we're not really like you said you're open to whatever gets planted in front of you i think that maybe instagram for me was that thing it was like oh yeah, I can make stuff and I can do it quietly. Or if I share it and maybe I get someone's attention, then they become my biggest customer. Then all of a sudden their friends become my customer. It's like, oh, wow, this is like the network effect. Here it is happening right in front of me. Yeah, you have to have a plan, but you have to be open to you know what could right. happen. Yeah. It can't be carved in stone. It should right. be just written on really nice paper, maybe in ink, but you should be willing to cross <laughs> out. <Exactly. laughs> you got to it out. Um I, I can't even believe, by the way, I'm looking at the clock on the oh, show yeah. right now. I can't even believe how much we've talked. But um, I do want to do um, our usual things of the week. And what's amazing is we get to get four things of the week this week because there are four <laughs> people on the show this week. So as is tradition, we always let our guests go first. But I'm not going to say which guest. You guys can decide amongst yourselves. I'm going to go first because this is probably the most boring thing of the week you've ever had. So, so I really, like, yeah, um, I really love craft paper and I probably don't use it in the traditional sense, but I feel like it's just where I do my planning. It's where I do my brainstorming. It's how I plan our business, our quarterly plans, projections, all that I find stuff. I pieces of graph paper all over our house <laughs> and I have to like show it to me like, is this important? Can I throw this out? What is this? <laughs> but I, I feel like it's just part of. I don't know, my personal brand or just who I am. I just, I love graph paper and I feel like it really, it helps me think. I don't know why. 
Is it the lines? It's the lines. It's, it's the quads. <laughs> <laughs> it's the graph. It's, it's, the graph. graph. it's probably the graph. <laughs> I open up Fusion 360 to do anything. By default, in Fusion 360, you don't get a grid. Yeah. I always turn it on. So I totally same well, totally. Understand. You have realized like, how many times I've ordered uh, like field notebooks. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking I'm getting the graph ones. Uh, I'm and sorry, I the ruled ones. Oh, Ugh, worse. Disgusting. I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm like, should I just throw these out? Like, I hate a wide ruled notebook. I yeah, exactly. That's like the worst exactly. thing ever was existed. I don't know why that. <laughs> Who even thought that was a good idea? Like, why do I want to write letters that are a half inch tall? Like, right. Exactly. <laughs> I, if I can't tell the top margin from the lines, then it's too <laughs> damn wide. This is wrong. <laughs> yeah, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, it's funny because you're talking to like Ethan and Ethan and I both have obviously for what we do, we do a lot of designing, and it's you know the idea of graph paper being a thing of the week is actually not that weird. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, look at yep. that! Found <laughs> <laughs> your people. <laughs> your people. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam, what's your uh, thing of the week? All right. My thing of the week is our Palo Santo edge bevelers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. Like if anyone is thinking about getting an edge beveler for the first time, just do yourself a favor. It might be like a tiny bit more expensive. It is so worth it. It's worth the weight, you know, the shipping it is ridiculous. I think I actually opened mine up um, on a live and <laughs> I went to use it and I was like, Did I just started laughing. No, I started laughing because yeah. it was hilarious to me how easily it cut. I like could not <laughs> believe it that I had. $70 a piece, by the way. I just want to point that out. Like this is a whole world. It is. Yeah. It is. A, it is a whole world. And, <laughs> and if, so the edge beveler that we were using before, we probably had been using it for like. It was probably the cheapest edge beveler. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've right. been using it. Can't say it be, if you can't say it, tell me after. But what? Which one were you guys using? You know what it was? Uh, I I really I don't. Um, Is it the craft? It probably was. I yeah. bet you it had to be. Yeah, I would okay. imagine okay. it was from Tandy. Is my guess. yeah, it probably was. Here's here's my thing, guys. I I never bevel my edges because I'm I hate it. I totally get that. I was, first of all, I was absolutely terrified of she ever. She was not a believer. I was not a believer <laughs> in. And, and I'm not either. I, like I've never, I've, I've, I have, I have two and I don't, I never use them. What I do is I sand the edges and then I kind of sand. exactly what I did. That's exactly what I used to do. I would, I would like sand the edge. So you get the lip that you would always get when you sand the edge. And then I'd sand the lip off. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what oh, I did because wow. I was terrified of the beveler. Well, we're all having a moment here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is a safe space. And so finally, Nick convinced me to use the beveler. So I, <laughs> I used the one that we had and I did learn to use it. But now <laughs> my fingers would hurt so badly after beveling that I would be so excited to go to the burnisher because we only use water to. Um, as a slicking agent and it's always cold. So I'm like, oh, I can stick my hand in this freezing cold water before I burnish because my hands would hurt so bad from from beveling. And now I got the Palo Santo. It is a literal joke how easy it cuts. I could not believe it. I just started laughing that I had been <laughs> using this dull butter knife essentially <laughs> to cut our edges. I could not believe it. So that is my thing of the week. I fully believe in them. <laughs> well, I mean, having... 
sometimes you don't realize you don't have the right tool until you get the right tool. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly no, that is so true. Well, yeah. So we're, we're going to have a bunch of conversations after this. about. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. And babblers. So. Yep. Yep. I'll, and one I'll, quick, I'll actually... one quick tip on it is that, so our, our old, not so good beveler <laughs> had a V shape cut. And then mm-hmm. the Paul Santo is a square shape cut. So if you are going to buy one, you're going from a V shape to the square shape. You do have to size down. Size probably. down. Yeah. yeah, probably like uh, one size. Oh, I don't know why, but uh, I'm just looking. I'm just looking at the their website. I'm looking at the Paul Santo website, and this stuff is. I mean, just at, it's just pure works of art. Yeah, They're it's beautiful. Unbelievable, beautiful tools. Holy crap! They're so pretty. Wow. And they're so balanced and so sharp. It's, and ergonomical. And yeah. like, because they're so long and thin too, like you don't get hung, your hands don't get hung up on like yeah. the edge of the bag and stuff like that. Awesome. Absolutely fantastic. That's a great recommendation for, uh, for you aspiring uh, hemlock and hide wannabes. This yeah, is, uh, do it. <laughs> Palo Santo Edge Beveler. I'll have a link to, I'll actually have a link just to their site because I'm looking at their tools now. I'm like, wow, this is like a <laughs> other ball game <laughs> you need a good graph paper by the way R- rodia <laughs> is that your favorite is, that's my favorite one oh, there you go. Like, rodia i think it's r-a-d-i-a it's like All a right. little bit slick i don't know it's not vellum but it's like i'm getting i'm nerding out on you're paper nerding right now. out on graph paper. <laughs> i <Yeah>. love it <laughs> there's, a whole, there's a whole culture to like um like notebooks oh. and pens oh yeah, yeah. Definitely is. i'm not into that like I'm not like a bullet journal person because I can't, I'm not that consistent. <laughs> Leanne might be, but no. um, there's a total whole culture around that. I really love Moleskine notebooks. Oh, I have oh, so yeah. Many. Most of them are still wrapped because they're too pretty. I don't want to take them out of the wrapping. Yeah. It's like, I don't know why I keep buying them. I, don't, I, I won't use them because I'm too scared to use them. They're too pretty. <laughs> but, uh, man, stupid me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in next real quick because uh, ours is my thing of the week is actually a a video, okay. um, which is interesting because every once in a while I don't do a video, but again I'm doing a video for like the second week in a row. Um, it's Tamar from Three by Three Customs, and she did a video on how to basically take rough sawn lumber and basically process it the way you would if you had a jointer, but without a jointer, hmm. and. It is an absolutely spectacularly good video. I, it was so good that everything I tried to think of that might be a candidate to be my thing of the week actually fell short of this. That's how good the video is. That. She she takes you through the process step by step. She shows you a couple of quick jigs that she made to do some of the stuff she did. And it's amazing. Like you really one of the tools I want, I've been I need two tools for my shop. I need a drum sander and I need I, I thought I needed a jointer. I've gotten by without the jointer. I can't really get by without the drum sander any longer. I do need to get one. And I've been, I'm like, oh, can I f- make both work? Like, could I kind of figure out a budget? Nope, don't have to. Don't need the jointer. I'm doing everything except for a couple of steps that she kind of showed me. Show One of the things I love about the video, she explains the why, not just the how. That's and awesome. that's why sometimes I think maker content forgets the why because – I don't need to know the how as much as I need to know why that how is that way. Cause then you won't try it another way that may not be as good. So that makes sense. Very good. Yep. Very good video. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's definitely worth watching. If you don't have a jointer and you do a lot of wood, even if you don't buy rough sawn wood or unprocessed wood, 
you're still going to probably need to do this from time to time. Like if you're working with construction lumber, you know, two by fours have rounded corners, which are utterly useless when you're trying to make anything. With <laughs> the only reason, okay, I'm sorry. no, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. Oh, the only reason they have those rounded corners, and this is an interesting thing that I yeah. learned, <laughs> is they're a fire break. Yep, exactly. Wait, yeah. It's like what? Yeah. So apparently, if you don't have a if you don't have a sharp corner, it's harder for the wood to actually burn in the event of a fire. Yep, that's exactly. I never knew that. That's so weird. Exactly. That's why all the construction lumber has rounded corners. So the idea is that it's that that corner is the thinnest part of the board. So if they round those corners over, they're not thin anymore. They don't burn as easily. So that's the reason. Okay. Which is why everybody that does what we do with it, which is make shop furniture, that's why we cut (laughs) that right off. Yes, but she explains the whole process. It's a really good video. And if you're doing anything like that, you're definitely going to want to watch that one. So I'm going to have the link to that in the show notes. And Vincent, you sent that to me and I watched that and I said it on the pre uh, pre recording. I've seen so many like jointer, like non jointer, how to do it videos. And this is probably one of the the, no, I think this was the best video Mm -hmm. explanation and how to videos. So I, I 100% support your thing of the week that it was a fantastic video. And I'm not surprised because she crushes everyone. She's amazing. And I, I got to, there are, there are, and you know, there aren't enough, and I'll say this, it's probably, it might get me in trouble, but people understand where I'm coming from. So maybe not. There aren't enough women woodworkers as far as I'm concerned. Mm. There just aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see them enough. We don't hear from them enough. I mean, luckily, we've had a lot of them on the okay, show. So you guys um, definitely call them out, which I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> and and Tamar is one of those people that she just she's just so damn good at what she does. She's and, so you a lot so many other people and that's and that's the thing right she's really good at woodworking but she's outstanding at making videos yeah and 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 teaching an explanation like mm -hmm. i think that was the that was the for me that was the difference is i've seen that and i see and i understood a lot of what she what she was saying i've learned from other people but i understood it better from her does that make sense I'll give a perfect a, a perfect example is she explained th- the reason. So you, the first step, I think the first step was the planer. Yeah. And she explained exactly why and how to shim it and how to put it through the planer and why you put it through in one direction and not the other and what the shims do and how to shim different shaped wood. It's like, Wow, there was so much information just in the first step, and it was like this is this is the one of the best videos ever. She's she's absolutely fantastic, and I feel like, I mean, everybody that knows woodworking on on YouTube in particular kind of knows who Tamar is. But if you don't know who Tamar is, or if you're not already, you really need to be following her. She makes amazing stuff. Did you say her channel name three by three. Her yeah, her channel name is uh, she's three by three customs three x three customs. Uh, we've talked about her yeah. quite a few times yeah. on on this channel. Like, there, was it the the guitar face that she did? Oh uh, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Screwed up the pattern and then routed it out and redid it. Like yeah. total butt clench moment. But she is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Um, We're following. We are going to have her. <laughs> we are going to have her on this show one day. Yeah, yeah, we are going to have her on the show. If I have to drive to her house, pick her up and bring her here and sit her next to me in front of a microphone, we will have her on. I'm going to go kidnap my guest. That's <laughs> that's a real thing to tell everybody. Yeah, we're going to get you on by kidnapping you. So. 
yeah, Tamar, three by three customs. Um, I'll get the video and I forgot the title, the full title, because it's one of those it's typical a long one, but yeah. SEO optimized titles, yeah. but it's, it's worth watching. If you're even, you're going to learn something. I don't care how far along you are in your woodworking journey. You are going to learn something watching this video. Ethan, thing right, of the week, I'll make quick. And if you watch my stories earlier, uh, you've probably already, already know, but my thing of the week is a former guest. It is Katie Freeman of Freeman Furnishings and uh, popular woodworking magazine because I have not gotten a, I have not read a popular woodworking magazine in a long time. Uh, so, but Katie of Freeman Furnishings was the cover girl and she was a guest on our show. And uh, I got my, uh, my magazine today. And I read the article. Fantastic. Re- like hats, hands down, like Katie, great job. I'm like, I'm super proud of her, but she also did a really, really fantastic job. Um, so super proud of her. And I hadn't read the magazine in a long, long time. And I read all the other articles as well. And they were fantastic. It was a, it's a really good magazine. Like uh, it had a lot of good information all of the articles had a lot of good information in them. Um, so I was really impressed by it. So yeah, that's my thing of the week is popular woodworker and Katie Freeman of Freeman Furnishings, who is the cover girl on this this month's episode. Uh, episode? This month's... Uh, uh, what is it called? <laughs> yeah. uh, periodical? Periodical or magazine? I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> it, it is really, really good. And I'm super proud of her. So... Yeah. For those of you that may have missed it, she was um, episode seventy-seven of this very podcast. Yeah. Um, which, which I, I don't, I don't want to offend her by calling her a cover girl, but I, she understands why we put that as the title, and we, we say it with pure love. We are very excited. We were so excited. We were so excited when she came to us and said, and told us what was going on. I was like, yeah, of course we'll talk to you on the show about it. Of course, that's amazing. <laughs> like, what a, what a moment. It, yeah, she, and then, and then I got to actually read it read it and i was so like it, it was a great i mean it's a great article and the rest of them were great too like so it's just it's it's so exciting when someone that you actually know and that you're friends with kind of has a success like that and mm-hmm. so it's it, i'm i'm really excited for her and i'm proud of her so absolutely the rising tide lifts all boats yeah. exactly we're, we're all boats <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are tankers, some of us are tugboats, but you know, <laughs> we're all boats in this weird ocean, right? <laughs> I'm, it must be getting late because I'm starting to get poetic. <laughs> and I, I want and some, I don't even drink uh, anymore. <laughs> uh, I want some of Nick's philosophical ideas. All right, let's hear about what? What are we talking about? <laughs> just, just any. Something you have on your graph paper, maybe? You can't just put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a book full of pure brilliance that is just waiting to be published. <laughs> That's probably pretty accurate. And it's written in the smallest <laughs> font you have ever seen, hey, so no one can read what it says. <laughs> we haven't asked this question in a while, but I feel like it would oh, be a good yes. way to it would be a good way to close out yeah. the episode. Um, and I know people, we always get the same answer, so I just stopped asking it, but I'm genuinely curious. What does fulfillment look like for you guys? Like, what would you consider fulfillment? That's a great question. Um, 
I, th- I think for us, like if, as long as we're able to continue to learn and like mm-hmm. do new things and like expand ourselves, I think we'll be happy. Um, that's really succinct, but that's, yeah, no, that's how I, I agree with that. I think if we can always, if we can keep on learning, collecting new skills <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> excuse me. And also I think for us specifically being able to make a living off of doing something that we love, I, I think that for us has kind of always been like the the general direction that we're trying to go in anyway, right? And the real question is, is our son going to pick up that kind of mindset? <laughs> he better. He's got very small fingers. I need him <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, just, yeah, yeah. I'll just tell you this much. When my dad was when my dad was alive, I didn't do any woodworking. My dad was a carpenter, and I didn't know woodworking mm-hmm. while he was alive. So, but him him being a carpenter is one of the reasons I'm a woodworker now. Mm-hmm. Like it, it took he was gone for a few years before I took up the took up the mantle and started learning what I was doing. But I honestly think that you know, as parents, and I'm telling I'm only telling you this because this is how it went down for me, but you don't realize the impact you have on your children. And sometimes it may not even happen while you're around, but whether you realize it or not, you have a pretty big impact on your kids. It's always. It's so true. And I, it's so true. And I can, for me, (laughs) my mom taught me how to sew when I was home with the chicken pox, eight years old. She taught me how, how to sew on the sewing machine that she had gotten as her like high school graduation gift. So it like <laughs> didn't work that great. <laughs> and she like had me making a quilt, which is just ridiculous because it's so time consuming. But <laughs> And I told her at the time, I was like, I never want to sew again, <laughs> which is so horrible. And I feel so badly that I did that to her. But like I have used that skill so much and applied it so much that now it is the thing that I do every day. Yeah. And, and like her love of textiles, like my entire life, like I get all of my, my making from her and my tool loving from my dad, but like her ability to sit there and make these amazing quilts. And she, she loved working in textiles. Like I never thought in a million years, like looking at it as a kid that I would want anything to do with that. And then I wor- literally worked in textiles <laughs> and, <laughs> and now I'm, I'm sewing every day as my living. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't realize the impact you make on your kids and until much later. You always do. Every parent, every parent leaves their mark on their kids. Even if, even if, and I'm, I'm just saying this, you know, I, I butted heads with my dad a lot, but even, even if you don't have the best relationship mm-hmm. with your kids, your kids are listening, they're learning, they're paying attention. And one day, one day they're going to be like the progressive commercial <laughs> <laughs> where they're just like you mm-hmm. and you can if you're still around, you get to laugh right in their face for it, and it's <laughs> awesome. Wow. And, and knowing you two, that kid is very, very lucky. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You're going to be the best musical textile leather worker you've ever seen. <laughs> you're going to have 25,000 followers on Instagram by the time they're 10. So you're saying yeah. leather guitars, huh? <laughs> yep. uh, there you go. There you go. Leather-wrapped guitar? No. Ethan, have you not leather wrapped a guitar yet? What are you even doing with your life? <laughs> <laughs> no. <Here> you go. <laughs> uh, 
Leanne, Nick, thank you so much thank for joining us tonight. It was absolutely awesome finally getting to talk to you. I feel like I feel like I've known you guys for I mean, I haven't really even known you that long, but I feel like I've known you guys forever and it's so awesome to finally get to talk to you and especially to have you on the show and get everyone that doesn't because hey, there's like I said earlier, there's not a whole lot of overlap. So now a whole bunch of people just found out about you guys, which is fantastic. We went hours so that says something oh wow. my gosh yeah we did yeah really <laughs> you're gonna be one of the episodes where people go oh god i gotta i gotta schedule this one <laughs> <laughs> which is good because because they're gonna schedule it and they're gonna be like wow this is this is really entertaining these uh these people are very interesting i like it <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for having us on yeah, thanks for having us it was so much fun <laughs> oh, it was an absolute pleasure to have you. We will have um, we'll have your links in the show notes. Um, is there aside from Instagramming your website? Is there any place? Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe a YouTube channel. I don't know. Yeah, just, we're, just we're not that active yet on YouTube or like TikTok or anything. So I we think did just start website. a TikTok, but yikes! And all right, I, I follow you guys on TikTok. As soon as you told me, no, you and we saw it. Yeah, we're we like, saw, look at like, that. We got funny. two more followers. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like. Right. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I'm going to tell you TikTok. I I I, I will readily admit because there's a bunch of people listening to this that knows how that know how much I hate TikTok. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you I was wrong. <laughs> I, I clearly was I clearly was looking at what was popular on TikTok mm-hmm. yeah. rather than what I would enjoy on TikTok. And I I swear there are some of the funniest human beings on the planet are on TikTok. It's, true. it's, it's like the raw version of Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's like if Instagram was in the Wild West, yeah. it would be TikTok. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, thank you so much for dropping by, um, guys. If you're um, if you have a chance, drop by Hemlock and Hyde on Instagram or hemlockandhyde.com and uh, check out their stuff. I mean, even <laughs> I promise you, it's it's the stuff is unique and beautiful, and it's beautifully made and. You know, I don't blow smoke off anyone's butt. If if something is not if if I'm talking about something, it's good. If I'm not talking about it, that's when you know because I'll never badmouth something on the show because I'm not mean. But <laughs> if I'm talking about something, it's because it's good. And these guys are very good at what they do. They make incredible stuff that you definitely want to check out. Um, we're gonna be out of here. Um, just want to give you a quick reminder: the Unwrapper Project Challenge is still going on. You don't want to miss the prizes. I have an idea what the prizes are going to be. I actually spoke to a couple of people today. So probably next episode, we'll have some more uh, concrete information on the prizes. The prizes are going to be better than the last challenge. So for all of you that are dragging your feet, you're going to want to stop doing that and start making your projects because there's going to be some good stuff to be won this time. Uh, Keep the reviews coming. We do love those reviews. And thanks again for the support on Buy Me A Coffee. If you want to support the show, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash because we make. And you can either join on an annual basis with a membership or you can make a contribution. We appreciate all of it. It helps us keep this show going for you guys. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week, maybe with a guest, maybe not. But either way, we'll be here and we'll talk to you then. 